blog this um, this passage out of um, Hebrews, and I just gave you this copy of this because I just love it. I've gone back to it a couple of times. I just felt like it was a fresh word from the Lord, so I just gave it to you so you could have it. So the top one, obviously, is out of Hebrews two. <clears throat> no, Hebrews twelve. Sorry. Uh, this thing here talks about therefore since we're surrounded. And um Yeah, Hebrews twelve. Hebrews twelve. And so I just felt like I had blogged on this talking about the joy of the Lord. I don't know if you saw that, but I think that was that was a lot of fun just watching the Lord connect those dots for me personally. And so this, I just tried to break this down in language that you could understand. So that's what the parentheses is. It's just trying to get your life words around what God's trying to say in his scripture. So that's what that is. And then <clears throat> um, I'm going to talk about this for a couple of weeks here. Like I said, because I want us to start getting ready for small groups this summer. And um, I want to just write some stuff out. And then I want to do some response. Somebody tell me what time it is so I can gauge this, right? What time is it? Okay. Are you asleep already? Okay, good. All right. All right, so I want to talk uh, about trust, and we've been doing that for, you know, since we started this class. But trusting the Lord in the circumstances, and I had a new twist on that this week personally, and the Lord asking me, can I trust you in your circumstances? So many times we're talking about, can we trust the Lord? And then he came back and said, can I trust you in your circumstances? Can I trust you to have a heart toward me? Can I trust you? You know, think about what trust is, meaning that you lean on, you depend on, it's something that you press into, that you you test and you find to be reliable. It's something that you know is not going to fall away. And if you're in a real legalistic way, you hear this question go, oh, i got to figure out how to do that. That's not it. That's not it. It's like, Jenna, are you coming to know me well enough that regardless of your circumstances, that I can trust you, that that you're going to... I want to just think about this, um, that Moses goes to Pharaoh in the Bible, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, oh, great, you're enslaved, and you have to make bricks, and guess what, now you don't get any straw. Totally change the circumstances, Right? You can go through all kinds of Bible stories. Joseph is sold as a slave, and then he goes from slave into prison. Can I trust you? Can I trust you, Joseph, in these circumstances? You know, Paul is beaten, he's stoned, he's thrown into prison. Then there's evidence where he's singing in prison. He's trustworthy in the circumstances. It's like there's a way that we think that, oh, when my circumstances work out, then I'm going to trust God. Oh, then I'm going to be a joyful person. Oh, then I'm going to, all my crap is going to be all together because all my circumstances have all worked out, and that's never going to happen. And I want you to know, if you're waiting for your circumstances to line up with your preferences, you're living in denial, and there's not any other way to put it. It's denial. You're living in denial of the reality of the world that you live in, and you're living in delusion. That somehow things are going to perfectly be magically be better. That's denial and delusion. And the book I have in that is called Emotional Bullshit. You're living in a fantasy. Go back to that book, Denial, Delusion, and Blame. 
So my circumstances don't line up. I'm not happy. I'm not getting what I want. So I blame God because he's not taking care of me. Do you see how this tracks? It's a beautiful picture. As you're going through health, because so many of us are going through varying degrees of health. Do you know what I mean by that? Some of us have been traumatized. Some of us have been numbed out, dumbed out. And many of us are coming to life in lots of different ways. Some are healthy, but you're now venturing into new realms of relationship with women or Christian women or marriage or relationships. It's like there's all this new life budding in lots of different places. And those three words, denial, delusion, and blame, play a huge part of trauma making. Trauma drama. You go back and you review your last week, just your last week of your life, and you look at how much denial, delusion, and blame has stirred up trauma drama. Trauma drama. And then we want to talk about our trauma drama, but we don't ever want to talk about the denial or the delusion or the blame. Did you hear what I just said? You want to talk about the trauma drama, but you don't want to talk about the denial, the delusion, and the blame. Because see, if you talk about those three things, then you find truth. We'd rather talk about the trauma than to talk about the truth. And Jesus is always leading toward truth. Got that? I don't know where that came from. That was from free. Okay. So, get that part. So, when the Lord comes back and He says, Can I trust you in your circumstances? What that means to me is He's not unaware of my circumstances. He's God over my circumstances. And He's in the middle of my circumstances. He's right there in the thick of it. I don't know where we get this notion that somehow God is checked out or He's far away. That's a lie. Can't be done. He can't be anywhere but here. Can I yeah, come back where when you said, Can I trust you in your circumstances? You said something like, You are, are you in the Lord enough to where when you're in your circumstances, you're trying to the Lord? Yeah, that, that, you're, that you're looking for Him, that you're seeing Him, that you're expecting Him. Let's just talk about this in real terms. You're in the middle of a storm, you have no idea what's going to happen. Are you freaking out like the pagans who have no God? It's stormy all around you. You don't even know if your house is going to make it through the night. What's your heart attitude? Can, are you trusting the Lord in your circumstances? That Jesus is right there with you. That he's among you. That if your house went sailing off, that Jesus is right there with you. I was so confronted by this that Kara said, Mom, it's okay. If we die, we're going to wake up with Jesus. And I thought, does this eight-year-old have more faith than I do? Because she was very calm. You know, I'm singing to try to calm them down. And I realize, no, I'm singing to calm me down, you know? <laughs> because it's not for me. It's for them. Right? When you've got little ones huddled around you, you're like going, oh, God, what are we going through? And it's like all these things. And then I realize it's not just the storm like that obvious trauma or unknown. It's when this thing happens or that thing happens or this relationship blows up or this person says that. It's all through your life, every day, all the time. Can God trust you in your circumstances that He's there among you and He's with you and He cares about you? And will you look for Him and go, though He slay me, yet I will praise Him? Do you know this passage from Job? That Job says, even if you kill me, Lord, I'm still going to praise you. See, you take that kind of attitude of surrender, and it's not a work it up. It's just like, a God, I'm yours. I'm all yours. Take anything. Take it all. Take, I'm all yours. Take anything. I, I'm yours. And you know what? I'm going to still praise you because you're still good, no matter what happens. I think when you start aiming at that kind of posture before the Lord, everything starts getting really small. Still gets in here and stirs you up, 
But it's, it's more like gnats. Do you know what I mean? It's like we live our lives like we're living among giants, but we're living among gnats. And we got to get them in the right place. Um, oh, okay. So we're not going to really talk about that. I want to give you this word picture, evidently. <laughs> that um, um, He's brought back to mind in this conversation. When I was at the beach um, the last time, I think it was I was at the beach, I was walking at a time in the morning where I was casting a really long shadow. So the sun must have been back here. I was casting a really long shadow, and I saw down the beach a ways that there was a crab. And I'm really not afraid of animals, but I hate walking on the beach at night because I can't stand when they run across my feet. I don't know what it is. I scream like some kind of weenie. You just never heard it. And my kids love it. I don't, I won't go out. I just won't go out. Because you think you're hitting the shell. Do you know what I'm talking about? You hit a shell and it runs, and like, ugh. I hate so I'm in broad daylight and I see this crab and this conversation with the Lord and Susan. Here's the very short version. Jenny, you're so afraid of those things at night. I want you to look at what it is that you're afraid of. And it's like this big. Do you all know what I'm talking about, crabs in the ocean? It's this big is you're terrified of this puny little creature. And I'm going, I know it's like stupid. It's just stupid. But I can't see. If I could see, then I wouldn't be afraid because I'd step around and blah, blah, blah. And then what happened was that so this crab is up there. And I'm walking toward the crab. And the crab is now in my shadow. Right? And the crab is moving along. And my shadow comes over it. And it's paralyzed. The crab does not move. And I'm walking up to it. And the Lord's going, do you understand? This crab is like your enemy. That you cast such a long shadow in Jesus. Because see, it's the sun behind me. And the sun casts such a long shadow that what would be perceived as my enemy is powerless and still in my shadow. He said, do you understand how much authority and how much power you have? Because the sun is always with you. You cast a long shadow. That does something to you internally when you start realizing that the sun casts that kind of shadow over the things in your life. It gives you a power. It gives you a, a love. I have prayed this so many times since I heard Nan say, uh, Ann say that I would know in my knower. That you would know in your knower that your spirit would grab what the spirit is trying to say. And that you would live differently. Because your spirit knows in its knower that you're not some common thing, that you have the power and the authority to cause evil and the things that scare you to stop dead in its tracks. I love that. Can I be trusted in my circumstances? So, the enemy always stirs up drama. Always. So in your personal life, and this is going to matter as we go to small groups, pay attention to the escalation. Write that down. Pay attention to the escalation. Pay attention to the escalation. So you have an offense, and it's a very real offense. It's something honest and true. It happened. It's an offense. And then... Then this person finds out, and then this person finds out, and now we've got a bigger thing. 
and then this happens, and then this happens, and the next thing, pay attention to the escalation. I'm not necessarily talking about gossip, although that's huge among men and women, but it's about the way, in your own mind, without telling another person, now let's do this again, someone, you heard some, forget you, I hear someone say something about me. I hear the devil say something about me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I hear the devil say something about This just happened. This just happened. Let me get you real. <laughs> you look just like, you're going to look just like your mother. That was the lie. You're going to look just like your mother. And that's not words of peace to me. Okay? That's not words of peace to me. My mom's getting ready to turn 80. She hasn't necessarily taken care of herself. I got to help her at the hospital. I love my mom. But it's like, I was in this moment, it's in this tender moment with my mom, so of course he's trying to steal that, and having a tender mom, moment of caring for my mom, and then I just hear, you're going to look just like your mother. That's the lie. And so instead of going, shut up, I'm beautiful, see that would have stopped the whole conversation, I went, oh my gosh, you're right. And then, here goes the escalation. And I haven't been. And I already, and what happens if, and oh my goodness. And the next thing you know, you're in your own little pity party, drama, drama, drama. Is anybody else relating to what I'm talking about? Yeah, show me some love here, okay? (laughs) It's because you walk in truth. You're constantly seeking truth. You're asking all the time for the Spirit. The Spirit can only tell you truth. Do you understand that? He leads in truth. He can't say anything but the truth. So if you want to know something, if it's true, you don't ask yourself, you don't ask your enemy, you don't even necessarily ask your friend. You ask the Spirit, because the Spirit can only tell you truth. So then the question comes back, can you be trusted in your circumstances? So when I finally got myself and my flesh to shut up, I come back and ask the Spirit, I'm like, oh, that's right, that's stupid. I don't live under that anymore. And now I'm back, see, I'm back to truth. And all that escalation, shh, back down. And here's peace. Because you're listening to that small, still voice. Pay attention to the escalations in your own mind, in your circumstances, and in your, com- your, your communications with other people. Often when you're fighting, you can tell if you're escalating just by the volume of your voice. Yelling, cussing, screaming, you're escalating, escalating. Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus ain't yelling. Yeah.
the lady in my office was just pregnant. So she had to take me and book me, and she just let me go. It was in the middle of the street and said, call for my community. So I kind of sat at Chummies for three hours with someone coming on me. But um, my license was wrongfully suspended, so that Monday um, they fixed it, and I had to go to court yesterday. And when we went into court, um, the reason why I wanted to go to court, well, one, I had to go because I had to prove that I had a license. But the um, second reason is because I didn't want that to go on my driving license. And so when I get there, I'm just expecting to have to go to drive school and help with sports laws. Um, he asked me um, if I had proof of my, uh, my um, license, and I said yes, I should have been. And then he just threw the whole thing out of court under that case. Um, my ticket and everything, which was considered reckless driving. That's a good Yeah, he does. So I want to just throw this out there to you so that when this very thing that you're freaking out and you're worried over and every single woman can go through this room, you know that you think that your problem is bigger than every other woman's problem, do you not? I mean, you do. And if anybody just understood how hard you have it, you, they justify why you are so worried. Would they not? <laughs> now be honest because you would because your problems are really big. And you know what? They are. But they ain't bigger than Jesus. They're not bigger than the favor of the Lord. They're not bigger than what he's already accomplished. And so you have the choice. Here's where your part comes in. You have the choice of walking in the favor or walking in fear. Your choice. Because fear will always produce more fear. Fear, does it not? Doesn't fear beget fear? And favor begets peace that passes understanding. Totally different way of walking into life. Totally different way. It's okay. You don't have to get it perfect. It's just start practicing in that way. Because what happens is... What? No, no. Dana, go ahead. Um, you mentioned that the other day, too, about the favor of the Lord. And um, I was just going to say something that came back to my mind after our conversation. Because I had shared with Jana that a friend of mine had um, prayed for the favor of the Lord, for me to walk in, in that favor and also to be uh, to walk in favor with... Uh, my uh, bosses and uh, basically with everybody at work and this was several years ago when I was going through a very difficult time and um, I had two uh, people that I knew were just really sort of enemies of mine and um, uh, it was just this terrible situation that just made me not even want to go to work you know that, that type of thing and what came to mind was that um some things were said that weren't true, and it reflected poorly on me. And then um, Sonia, my friend, prayed this prayer for me and just pled the blood of Jesus over me for that. And, and you know, I mean, I just can't say enough about, you know, the prayer of a righteous woman and, and two or more coming together to ask for something. But something happened to me, you know, where it finally clicked for me that, yeah, I do walk in this favor, and this is something that I can ask him for and believe in. And but what came to mind was right after that happened, I get called into the vice president's office. Uh, her name was Pat at that time. And uh, I was given a $1,500 bonus for uh, work, outstanding work where, where I was working. And, um, and the person that was... You know, really like kind of maligning my character was removed from the situation and put totally in a different area that had nothing to do with any of my doings. And I didn't remember that when I was, you know, sharing that with you. So 
I mean, I, I just think you need to find your prayer partner and just do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> we actually are going to do that here in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, these two things, see, if I know that I'm walking in the favor of the Lord, then it helps me learn how to trust the Lord in my circumstances. You get that? Yes, Liz. Excuse me one second. If you guys are hot, you can crack those windows. Are y'all hot? Are y'all okay? Okay, I'm hot, but I'm always hot on TV, so. Uh, you're definitely hot. I mean, you're definitely hot. Go, Liz. So, I don't know if I can, like, explain this correctly, but what does it mean to walk in the favor of the Lord when you know that you're in rebellion to God, you're doing something that you know that you're not supposed to be doing, uh-huh. but when you're really honest, you're, you don't want to give it up, and right. the flesh wants it, and you confess it to God, but like, what does it mean to continue walking in the favor when you're still, like, totally in rebellion? I think that's a beautiful question, and I appreciate your courage because probably, you know, you got a ton of people right here sitting with you, Lincoln Arms, so thanks for doing that. And so here's what I just want to ask you, is, is God in heaven going... Oh, my goodness, have you seen Liz? She's an open rebellion. Can you believe it? Is God doing that? Like, I want you guys to understand what it means that Jesus died on the cross. And all your sins were future tense, right? And so he knows your journey. He knows our journey. And he, listen, we're stopped by our sin. He's not. Why? Get the math on this. Don't just take my word for it. Get the math on it. Why is God not stopped by our sin? Why? It's paid for. It's paid for. 100% paid for. So you don't know how long your rebellion is going to last, but he does. And he's very confident that he's going to have his way sooner or later. And so because he doesn't have anything but good to pour out on you anymore, you have confidence of the favor. See, it's the enemy, I think, would have us be walking this tightrope. If I'm being good, I get favor. If I'm being bad, oh, I'm out of God's favor. Even that whole that whole teaching, it's like I've had my whole head kind of twisted around about being out of a relationship. I think I've shared you the story with you a thousand times about smoking. I realized I was in open rebellion before the Lord had told me plainly to stop it. And so instead of trying to hide or act like I shouldn't, I was doing it. He knew I was doing it. He knew I wanted to do it. So I did it in his presence and go, I know you still love me. It totally changed my life. Like, you take your coping, you take your sin, you take whatever it is you're struggling for, and you just do it right in the presence of the Lord, because you actually are doing it in the presence of the Lord. Do you get that denial, delusion, blame? Uh-huh. Because yeah. he already is in the presence of the Lord. So you might as well just do it. I know you're here. I know you are. And just see what happens. And I want to give you this one picture. He's just so funny tonight. Okay. So... I told you, have I, have I mentioned that I've read a book called The Naked Gospel? Have I mentioned that to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been just straining on it, trying to get my head around it, actually on my head, trying to get my spirit around it. And he talks about this disconnect. Because, you know, I drew this picture that we have a good heart, and that you have the flesh, and then you have the enemy. And this is the system that you used to live, and it was all in there together. And then upon Christ and your salvation, there was a transaction. This was taken out, and God was put in. And I couldn't get the picture of how there's been a disconnect. And here is the picture of the disconnect that God gave me this week. And I hope that this will connect for you. So you've got the space shuttle, right? And it's all running and rolling together. Right? (laughs) Shut up. The space shuttle. So the space shuttle takes off. The space 
jump takes off, right? And it looks like it's moving as a unit. And then what happens? It breaks apart, right? And then you have the capsule. And then it breaks apart again. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And this, what happens to this? It's burned up. It's debris. You never see it. Because this is where all the stuff is. This is where the power is. This is where the purpose is. This is where the destiny is. This is no longer relevant. And so there has been a total disconnect in your life. And some of you are still down here with all these flames and you're all connected. And you think, oh, I'm never going to escape. I'm never going to escape. Well, guess what? You, you're going to launch. Because your spirit is taking you somewhere that your flesh cannot, hallelujah, keep up with. Amen. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Lord. Your spirit is taking you somewhere that your flesh and your sin and your devil, your enemy cannot keep up with. You're going into a totally different orbit, and he cannot, it cannot keep up anymore. And so you just keep launching. You just keep feeding your spirit. You keep nurturing. You keep running hard after Jesus. And you're going to watch this stuff run apart because you don't know it. Maybe your belief system isn't there yet, but God knows it. God knows it, that you are disconnecting and you are not run by this anymore. You cannot. You will not. And that gives you all kinds of freedom then to just walk in the goodness and the beauty of God. And it transforms every part of your life. Every part. Beginning with Him. Yeah. Whew. Sorry, I'm so vocal. No, I love the it. Record. I was totally like uh, in a lot of rebellion at that point. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, outside of, I mean, I was married, I was single, but. Fornication. And, uh, you know, drinking to drunkenness and all the church things. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I absolutely wasn't doing anything of my own to be able to walk in the favor. And the reason he blessed me absolutely was because of Jesus, not because of anything I do or don't do. You know, I walk in that favor because I'm his child through Christ. So many of us think, and we've been taught that obedience comes you have obedience, and you know what? Then you have blessing. And guess what? In the Old Testament, perhaps that was true. But that's not true. In the New Testament, He blesses. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness. He has blessing first. How many of you have lives that you totally don't deserve? Deserve. How many of you are still struggling with sin, but yet the Lord... Yet Jesus, but God. So it's like it's all over the place. Erin, did you want to say something or have a question? I was just gonna ask if it's the spirit that's taking you to this place and the rest of getting left behind and you almost it's the spirit that's doing it. Why do you think so many people like quit or give up, you know, after Because they haven't experienced, I think. You know, your experiences with sin and your experiences with the enemy are very real. Would you agree? And if you ask the average Joe, if you ask them about their experience of God, they would go, I sang in the choir, or I read my Bible, or I went to an Easter function and I got chills, right? That, that's kind of like the breadth of their experience of God. And so if you want to work on this, you run hard after God. It's like my phrase for, somebody was asking about the dark days in my life. 
And my phrase for those dark days of my life was banging on the doors of heaven. And I realize now, the Lord was so gracious to even let me say that because he was banging on my doors. I wasn't banging on his doors, but it felt like that. Do you know what I mean? That you really think that you're the one that's doing all the work, but really it's the complete opposite is true. But I had to go through that season. It's okay. But it's like I, um, and you know, many women in here can give testimony. It's like I couldn't live in this anymore. There had to be more. I knew there was more. People told me there was more. If they got it, I want it. And I know I'm not going to get it the way they got it, but I want it. And so you just keep running hard after that. And what happens is you start experiencing God, literally experiencing Him. And it changes everything. It changes your desire for sin. It changes your desire for rebellion. It changes all, it just changes your diet. It doesn't, doesn't make you be good. It makes you see who you are already. Does that make sense? How many of you guys have issues that you don't do anymore, that you honestly look back and go, I can't believe I actually ever did that. (laughs) So see, you already know the transformation process then, right? Because the Lord is already washing off. He's already taking off things. You know, somebody, I said somebody to conversation, a woman is engaged and she's having an affair. And I'm going, that is the stupidest damn thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Who would do that? I went, Oh, wait, I did that. Never mind. <laughs> it's like you you forget. Do you know what I mean? You forget. It's like the Lord has so like thoroughly washed you. You're like going, who was she? Who, who was she? But it doesn't matter because she's dead. Hallelujah. Right? And so you just keep pressing in. God has a picture of us. He is a person of us. And he's relentless. He, he's not going to stop. Do you understand? He's just not. He's not going to quit. Yeah. I think some people quit because you're confronted with emotions that you don't want to deal with. Knowledge, illusion, and blame. Yes. You know, it's a little hard time facing those. So I think that's why I want to quit. It's harder. It's easier to stand in this list. I totally disagree with that. I totally disagree with that. Let me tell you why I totally disagree with that. I used to believe that. I totally disagree with that now. It's because we don't live in the flesh anymore. There's been a disconnect. And like you help people. No, we're speaking for people who haven't. But they have. See, there's been a disconnect. People who are still sinning, they don't understand the realities. It's like you understand, you're stopping sinning is not going to be the disconnect, the shuttle. That's not it. It's your awareness of your mind, your spirit, your heart coming to revelation. It's like what you need is revelation of God. You need more revelation of God. So many, look at our culture. Look, even in our church culture, we talk about the sin, right? Let's talk about the sin. How I feel bad about my sin, or I don't feel bad about my sin. I don't know what to do. I need to work on this. I need to get on this kind of accountability. We're still talking about sin. I'm going, what if you stop talking about your sin and let's solely focus on the Lord and how much He loves you and what He says about you and where you're going and a bigger picture and let's start talking about God's power and what it means to have His life poured out in you. Now all of a sudden we stop talking about sin and you're experiencing something that you didn't even know was possible. Do you know how many people that I know in my life who don't believe that Jesus heals today? They don't believe it and they don't know anyone who has been healed. If you don't have a God that heals today, you're in trouble. Do you understand? 
you're desperately in trouble. Because the only thing that's going to fix your sin is the healing touch of a Savior. Y'all all uncomfortable now? But I got more. I got a lot more. Right? It's like we we got to get a bigger picture about who God is. And so I agree with what she's saying that it seems easier. I'm talking about non-Christians, not people who are Oh, I'm talking about Christians because Christians say that. Well, that's what I'm saying about the yeah. I was, he promises to finish the work he started, you know. But so is it just us that gives up? Yeah, but you don't give up because you just keep pursuing, and there's going to be an end to it. I think we have a different timetable. Like, what's the timetable? If you die tomorrow in sin, would that would that, all that be wasted? All that growth and grown and everything? Like, uh, if I died tomorrow in, my, in a sin issue and I got before the Lord, would I be talking about my sin when I got to heaven? No, we'd be talking about all the things I'd learned about God while I was here. It's like we're just, it's not about sin. So I think the quitting part is it seems hopeless. I think people quit because it seems hopeless. Don't you think so? Like, I loved your phrase. I've been, what did you say, living in despair? I think despair is probably the number one killer to Christians today. I think that's why you have so many people on antidepressant drugs. They are filled with despair. And they see no hope for their life. So what happens if they start getting a new definition and a new reality. I'm not talking about making yourself feel better. (laughs) I'm talking about an altogether different reality. Are y'all tracking with me? There's a different power that is available to us, living, breathing, in your circumstances, in my circumstances today. Every single day. Not your power, not what you can figure out and sort out. His life through us is a whole different reality. And it's not talking about your sin. I love that. Are you all not excited about that? I just think that's fantastic. I love it. Okay, I'm going to get on what I was supposed to be teaching on. I'm just joking. This is what I was supposed to be teaching on. What time is it? <clears throat> oh, goodness. Okay. Well, I'm obviously going to have to break because I want to give you guys two minutes. Let me just give you these phrases. In your, this is just about you and the Lord. We'll talk about others next week. Um, this is so funny. Let's just write this down. Y'all write this down. Immaturity is not a sin. Sometimes, you know, and let me just put this, you know. Immaturity is not the same thing. Let me write this out there. Immaturity and rebellion... Right? <clears throat> They're not the same thing. Sometimes what people call rebellion, it's really just immaturity. You just need some more time to soak and learn and practice. But although immaturity is not a sin, growing up is not optional. And what I find is many, many believers think it is. Growing up is not optional. So you look for, we walk in spirit and truth. I wonder why we allow our mind so much time to feel sorry for itself. See, that's immaturity. 
You ever been around a kid that just whines and whines and whines and you say, oh, please God, help them grow out of this. Now look at your own life. Where are places that you need to grow up? And how is the Lord going to help you grow up? Through your circumstances. His circumstances are going to cause you to grow up and find Him to be trustworthy, find Him to be strong, have a supernatural experience of Him, and then you will grow up in all ways. We will grow up into Christ who is the head. And so you have an opportunity to experience something of God in this way. And growing up has to do with truth. It has to do with the Spirit. It has to do with truly worshiping. That's what Jesus said he was looking for, worshipers. He would worship in spirit and truth. And practice loving. <clears throat> loving yourself, loving God, loving others. Pay attention, really, really, in your places of hurt and wine, dysfunction, trauma, drama, and we've all got it, pay attention to how you really sound like a whining five-year-old child. And if you boil it all down, it comes down to, I'm afraid or I'm not getting my way. Write those two things down. My way or afraid. Well, I'm afraid I'm not getting my way. <laughs> yep. And see, perfect love casts out fear. So when you start experiencing these emotions, your spirit is trying to tell you perfect love casts out fear. So when you're not getting your way, or you're afraid, or afraid not going to get your way, perfect love casts out fear. I have nothing to fear. I walk in the favor of the Lord. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm at peace. I can be at peace. Regardless, perfect love casts out fear. Pay attention to your fits of whining. It's not that God's mad at you about it. He's just growing you up. Be very conscious that He's got an agenda. <laughs> Do you understand that? Do you understand that God has an agenda for you? Do you really want to come against His agenda? Honestly, I mean, you know, hello. I mean, you can. It's futile, but you can. So, to look, you know, I love it. Here, let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I love that you have an agenda. I love that you had such an agenda that you endured the cross so that we uh, would have a completed agenda in you. Lord, I love these women. I love the women that couldn't come and don't come. I pray, Lord, for all of us that you would do exactly as you promised, that you would woo us, that you would romance us, that you would supernaturally interrupt our lives, that we would walk, Father, um, with casting a long, long shadow. Because we're in the presence of the Son. Mighty are you, Lord. Worthy in all your ways. Beautiful and worthy of adoration. Uh, Father, just overwhelm us. And just um, take our breath away. There's so many trite attempts in our world to give us some kind of thrill. But Lord, you come in and just blow our minds. Blow our socks off. Give us a real supernatural awareness that we live in the presence of the living God. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness on our lives. And thank you that even though we're whining and kicking and screaming, you just hold our hand and go, we're still going. Thank you for that. And I just pray grace on all these women, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.